We the ones they talking about. Broadway Sports Media. Choose your fighter. Justin and Justin Titans podcast show. Some of it was bad, but hopefully you'll you probably piece something together. Outstanding. How, how many makers and cokes have you had? We're begging for listeners. That's all we do. We all we got. Hey, Titans on three. One, two, three. All righty. Welcome on in. Come on in. Gather around. Turn your volume up. Make sure you're listening. Come on in. Welcome in. Another episode of the Music City Audible presented by Broadway Sports Media, partnered with 440 Sports. Be sure to check out broadwaysportsmedia.com for all your Tennessee Titans and Nashville pro sports coverage. Doesn't get better than that. I'm Justin Graver. I'll be driving this ship tonight with my co-pilot, Justin Mello, as always. Justin, what's up on this fine Thursday evening? I'm doing well. Uh, excited to get into this episode with you. We, we don't have as much to cover this week as we had last week, but la- I mean, last week was probably our longest show ever, wasn't it? Oh, by far, by far. Sorry to everyone. We touched over 90 minutes on that one, but today should be considerably shorter, which you already know if you pressed play because the runtime's there. Justin and I, we don't know what the runtime's going to be because we're just getting started, but you guys already know. Kind of crazy, huh? <laughs> Um, All right. What are we going to talk about today? Well, we have a little bit of news to touch on. Some more free agent news. We're pretty much into the, I guess I would call this wave two of free agency now. It's really slowed down. Lots of guys still on the market. Tier two, tier three free agents. We'll touch on those a little bit. Some possible options for the Titans. But the main focus of today's show is going to be winners and losers of Titans free agency. So we're going to talk about Titans players that we think came away from the last week and a half as winners and some that came away as losers. Before we start on that, though, let's talk about the Titans' newest signing. Wide receiver Josh Reynolds comes over from the Rams. You and I were noted Josh Reynolds supporters. I put out a clip on Twitter last week of you and I talking about him. We called him one of the best free agency fits for the Titans. So that was a pretty good call by us. We then came back last week and said that Josh Reynolds wouldn't be enough to make us feel better about the wide receiver position. So... I'm going to turn it to you now. It's been about a week. We're we're getting over this news. We've had time to reflect on it. What do you think of Josh Reynolds? Yeah, I like the player and I, I like the signing when you look at it from a perspective of what was left right on the free agency market at the position. I, I don't think they could have done better um, at that point in time than Josh Reynolds. Well, you know, we, we've talked about him quite a bit. Funny enough, before he was a Titan, as you mentioned, thought it was a good fit from a scheme perspective. I know he mentioned that himself um, in his press conference earlier today, being Thursday. He talked about knowing the scheme, playing in, in something that was very similar in Los Angeles. He, he sees the opportunity here. You know, I, I spoke to his camp. It's clear that they identified this as a place that he can come in and thrive. You know, there's a reason he's on a one-year deal, you know, from his perspective of it, hint, hint. Certainly, obviously, identified Tennessee as a place where maybe he could put up career numbers and and turn it into a bigger contract, uh, either either here or somewhere else next offseason, right? They saw Corey Davis leaving free agency. They know he's got a terrific chance to to start and and, and at least play a, a ton of reps in this offense, an offense that he already knows as mentioned so it's a good fit um 
it wouldn't surprise me to see him put up something like seven, 700, you know, 750 receiving yards. I mean, he had 620 last year, right. And an offense that, uh, you know, what wasn't as good as Tennessee's, you know, LA at times uh, didn't look like the powerhouse right on offense that they have been in the past. So he comes here. Plus, you know, again, he's behind, he was behind guys like Robert Woods and Cooper cup. So, you know, here, right, right now. And of course we expect it to change after the draft, but right now he's really just behind AJ Brown. Right. So it's a good opportunity for for him to come here and and put up some great numbers. And and, and you certainly have to look at this as is probably the biggest opportunity of his career. Yeah, I would say it is, at least right now. As you mentioned, things can definitely change. The Titans are probably targeting a receiver early on. They might sign another receiver. We'll talk about that in just a second. But yeah, as of right now, this looks like a great opportunity for Josh Reynolds to step in, be a wide receiver too for the first time in his career. Something that Teron Davenport, T D ESPN tweeted out today is a little interesting. He quote tweeted a, a rant, pretty random tweet about Brandon Lloyd, who had never had more than 600 yards in his first seven seasons. Five of those seasons, he had less than 400 yards. And then in year eight, he exploded for 1450 and 11 touchdowns, had a, at least 900 yards each of the next two seasons. Teron says, this is who Josh Reynolds reminds me of. So you mentioned on our show a few weeks back, the best free agent fits show, that this was a potential breakout player if he found if he wound up in the right system. I think that this is the right system for him to break out in. Another interesting aspect of this is what was talked about in Joe Rexroad's piece for The Athletic earlier this week. It's been a bit of a talking point amongst Titans fans is that apparently the staff sees Nick Westbrook-Akine, undrafted free agent from last season, as a pretty good wide receiver candidate to fill some of this vacancy that the Titans are now experiencing at the pass catching position from at least when you look at the turnover from last year and um another thing Rex Rhodes piece mentioned was that they felt a lot of Corey Davis's production came because of the presence of Derrick Henry and AJ Brown and a lot of those play action crossers those dig routes over the middle or those deep crossers that's most of Corey Davis's catches came on those types of plays and sure every once in a while he had an amazing contested catch toe tapper on the sideline but the majority of his production came on those dig routes that he caught the ball with lots of space because of the play action because safeties are doubling over the top of AJ Brown so all that to say this is a great situation for Josh Reynolds to come in and not have to be relied upon to be the guy but be more relied upon than he ever has been before so all that to say, you and I are pro Josh Reynolds. This is a pro Josh Reynolds podcast. I think most Titans fans at this point are excited about Josh Reynolds just because at the time of the signing, it was like, he's clearly the best option on the market at this point. Once you saw Will Fuller and Curtis Samuel and Kenny Galladay all sign deals elsewhere, right? And Juju. And Juju went back to, to Pittsburgh. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, um, you know, first of all, you 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 covered a lot there on on the Brandon Lloyd comparison. Uh, Teron's always good at that. Eh? He's he's good at uh, making uh, making comparisons, and then that's an interesting one. It's a good one. Um, uh, you know, whether whether or not he can really replace Corey Davis, I, I'm curious to see. I, I think it's a little on the optimistic side to say that he can. I, I I don't know that he's that type of player. You know, I I you know, and and maybe you get something by committee as you said, out of him and, and another guy, and maybe they can make up for it. Um, but, you know, we're, we're going to find out just how much, you know, if that rumor is true that they think, you know, Corey Davis was, was, was really, a, you know, in, in part a product of the system, right, with the crossers and, and, and the play action and, and Derrick Henry, we're going to find out how much of that is true. 
you know, if Josh Reynolds can come in here and, and put up 750, 800 receiving yards, whatever it is, you know, that, that would put him in within what, 100, 150 receiving yards of what Corey Davis had last year, roughly, then, then I would say that's a really good point and that the Titans played this really well, right? But uh, that, that'll be re- yet, you know, remains to be seen. Yeah, and speaking of the system, you know, we talked about this before, but Josh Reynolds comes from the same system, the West Coast offense. So all those routes we just talked about, all that stuff you just mentioned, that's what we expect Josh Reynolds to run. So that's why we think that I agree what you said there about it's a little optimistic, but I think Josh Reynolds can take the pressure off A.J. Brown and Derrick Henry and be a solid third option in the passing game if he's even elevated to that high of a level, right? Well, so, Well, I mean, they still got to go get a number two. They do. Because well, right I now, meant, I mean, uh, oh yeah, that's a good point. I meant yeah, including option. all options, tight ends, and yeah, yeah, well, <laughs> he's the number two I passing option right now. You'd have to think. Yes, I agree. He is number two. Sorry, I meant to say number three option in the offense in general. Whereas, like every time that's right. not a third down, the defense is going to be like, "All right, that's Derrick Henry. Everyone knows where Derrick Henry is, right? Make sure you don't take your eyes off Derrick Henry, right?" So and everyone knows where AJ Brown is. Exactly. So, yeah, I do think that we're we're looking at another receiver going to be added to the Titans here soon, but whether that's free agency, the draft, or both is yet to be seen. The Titans did sign another guy, a Steelers special teams, a former Steeler special teams player who has one of the hardest names, one of the hardest names to pronounce in the entire NFL. But I'm you got so worried go. there, you mispronounced names. I, I I was ahead of myself trying to pull up the pronunciation guide. No joke, I'm I'm reading this off the pronunciation guide right you now. You got worried. Bear with me, folks. Olasunkanmi Adaini. One more time. Olasunkanmi Adaini. We'll just call him Ole. How's that sound? I think a lot of people call him Ole, I think. Yeah, so he's friends with Bud Dupree. He's coming over to the Titans. He fills, we talked about this on previous podcasts, the Titans are going to be losing so many linebackers to free agency. They haven't re-signed any of them. Talking about Darren Bates, Nick DeZubnar, and Will Compton. All those guys are still on the market. So the Titans need special teams aces, and that's what Olasunkanmi Adeni brings to the roster. Yeah, it makes sense. Again, we, we, we've kind of covered, um, and, and they lost Chris Milton. Well, I mean, I think they cut him, but that's another guy that was a really good special teams player. Uh, Cinerese Perry is still a free agent as well. These were some of their best special teams players last year. And we know that Mike Vrabel and John Robinson um, both value special teams. So um, kind of surprised, truthfully, that this is their first special team signing. It's very on brand, typically, of John Robinson for the first signing to be a special team signing. Remember that we are was it uh, Trawick and Bates were their first special was not sorry special was their first signings of free agency I think it was yeah on like the Wednesday that the league year reset and everyone was yeah. like this is who the Titans have prioritized what <laughs> yeah everyone lost their minds and rightfully so so it's usually on brand for them to go after special teams first right when everyone else is going after really good football players but um here they go making a, a splash if you will on special i mean they did sign morgan cox before that right so they did go out and prioritize a long snapper but anyway uh here they get a guy who, who's going to replace one of those linebackers and and um again they've lost so many special teams players i'm surprised this is their from a coverage standpoint i'm surprised this is their first signing there and it's probably not their last yep i totally agree one special teams position of note that is yet to be filled is the kicker spot they're still waiting on a kicker so you definitely know john robinson's going to do something more for special teams he's like you said he's got to get coverage guys and they have to get a kicker 
Yeah, that'll be interesting, right? I mean, I, I think there's probably no rush on on, on Guskowski there and, and wondering if he's made a decision yet. I mean, he's the kind of guy you figure if he's going to retire, that's going to be announced, right? It's He's had such an incredible career. It's not going to go unreported if a guy like him decides to retire. So he's probably just taking it easy and still figuring out his decision. I would imagine, and I don't know how popular it would be in Tennessee, but I mean, I'd, I'd be all for it. But if he wants to come back, I, I think Tennessee would bring him back. I think so too, and they probably know his plan and therefore can wait to see what he does. I'm sure Vrabel and John Robinson are in contact with him, obviously. Otherwise, I mean, they have to know at some point because I wouldn't say draft a kicker, but the Titans have extra sixth-round pick this year, don't really have a kicker of the future, a viable kicker of the future, so it wouldn't be crazy to see them spend a draft pick on a kicker or at the very least bring in a priority undrafted free agent kicker, but they have to I know think what that's Guskowski's, the more likely scenario. I do too, but they have to know what Guskowski's plans are right. either way before, you know, the end of April. So absolutely. We'll, we'll Cause then you could also offer a, a bigger signing bonus, right. To one of those free uh, uh, undrafted free agent kickers. Right. To make sure that you get them in the building. Um, okay. Let's talk about some rumors. We love the rumor mill, right? So, Love the rumor. Sammy, Sammy Watkins, a guy that could come in and supplant um, Josh Reynolds as the wide receiver too. I think if if Sammy Watkins was signed here, he would step in as wide receiver two, and you would expect Josh Reynolds to be wide receiver three. But Sammy Watkins has taken visits, went and visited the Colts, went and visited the Ravens, left both visits without a deal. And in the report that he was visiting these teams Adam Schefter threw in there that he had received interest from the Titans and around the same time as this tweet came out this new account that wants to be you know one of these news breaking free agent signing accounts that everyone wants to be you know just like Titans fans had inked up Seahawks Shane last year breaking our clowny news <laughs> it's the at is at film talk FB as in film talk football they have 725 followers. When I looked at this account yesterday, they had 600 followers. So they're a very new account, very young, joined December 2018, but only 700 followers. So like, I personally am extremely skeptical of this account, but they were on this Carlos Dunlap thing that just happened on Thursday night yesterday, a full day in advance. They've been on the, they were on the Adoree Jackson news, which I do want to talk about with you in a second. They've, they've broken some stuff. So either they have a really good source, it's an agent or somebody that like can get them multiple players in multiple markets, or they're just lucky and they're breaking stuff and then deleting the wrong tweets, right? Which could be the case. But they also mentioned that the Titans were planning to sign Sammy Watkins. So that's a big rumor out there right now. How does this change the receiver room if the Titans did get Watkins? Maybe. I mean, for the games that he'd be healthy for, right? It certainly changes something, but no, I mean, all, all, all kidding aside, uh, you know, it, it may be worth a flyer. The thing for me is, I don't know if I'm undervaluing, undervaluing him, but I, I don't know how much it changes for me. You know, I don't know how much it moves the needle. Would signing Sammy Watkins, would that make you think they still don't need, you know, to draft a receiver in the first round? or the second round for me, they still would. So look, the more, the merrier, the more talent it, it pushes some of those guys down the depth chart that probably have no business being as high as they are right now, but uh, it, it wouldn't change my, my thought process that, Hey, they still need to go into the draft and come out with a, with a really good receiver that can contribute immediately. 
Yeah, I do think you're right there. It doesn't really change the long-term outlook, but it certainly makes you feel better about the position this year, especially the depth, because, I mean, yes, Sammy Watkins is injury-prone, but A.J. Brown last year was dealing with a nagging knee injury the whole season, and he played through it because he's a tough son of a bitch. But, I mean, if something like that happened to the receiving core this year, even just for a few plays, who's on the field? Josh Reynolds is suddenly your wide receiver one. I mean, you're one injury away from that. So having proven... Players, even if they are injury prone, even if they were busts for their draft status, because Sammy Watkins was the fourth overall pick, certainly didn't live up to that, can still be a good player. It's almost the argument we've been having about Corey Davis for four years, right? Like, he's he's not a wide receiver bona fide stud, wide receiver one. He's not worth the fourth overall pick, but he's worth a cheap tier three free agent contract that the Titans could could hand out here in the next few days or weeks even. So I think that I'd be... All in favor of it. I've always been pro Sammy Watkins. Whether or not he stays healthy, I mean, if you only get five games out of him, like at least you got five games with another playmaker on the field, right? So I'm, I'd am i be fully in favor of it, but I do agree. You still got to draft a guy early that you can get in here and, and expect to be a wide receiver too for the next four to five or longer years, right? Well, yeah, I agree. I and mean, don't get me wrong. I am interested in Watkins. I think he's got some, obviously, some great traits and some great tools, and, and he still has something to offer uh, an NFL offense. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how that, you know, where he ultimately lands because um, you figure he's running out of options, right? I mean, as you said, we're down at tier two here, and and some may even call it tier three. So be interesting to see what he decides. You know, Baltimore certainly has a huge need at receiver. It's interesting that he took a visit there and, and they let him, uh, you know, leave the building without a deal. Yeah, exactly. And that's what makes you think the Titans might still be in in on him or or anyone might still be in on him is the fact that he's visited multiple teams with no contract so far. So let's talk about another guy who took a visit and didn't sign a contract. That would be former Titan, potentially still a Titan. Well, who knows what's going to happen? Jadeveon Clowney went up to Cleveland and did not sign a deal. And this uh, Film Talk football account seems to be think has outwardly expressed that this is because Clowney's trying to get more money from the Titans. And we also had a report from K Moore Sports, Ken Moore, college football analyst for the Southland Conference, who like tried to break the Jadeveon Clowney news last year, and actually he ended up being right, saying that he was going to sign with the Titans. He says that Jadeveon Clowney returning to the Titans is highly unlikely because he would have to take a huge pay cut to return. Oh, thank you, Ken, for the common sense lesson. Yeah, no no kidding, Clowney's going to have to take a huge pay cut to return. Clowney's going to be taking a huge pay cut no matter where he signs next year because he had zero sacks last season, and he had three sacks the year before that. So nobody's paying top dollar for Clowney right now. So obviously he's not going to get another $15 million contract. The question is, is it highly unlikely that he, return, that he returns to Titans at all? According to football talk or whatever the hell they are, no. According to Ken Moore, yes. Where do you land on Clowney? Yeah, if you scroll through the tweets of that Film Talk football, I think he says somewhere that he's still expecting 10-plus million and that Tennessee may give him that. He said something like that. So, I mean, <laughs> I think any team would be crazy to give him that kind of money. I can't see Tennessee giving him that kind of money. But, yeah, you, you, you certainly would think he's going to have to take a huge pay cut. Five, six million maybe he plays for this year. I mean – Anyone who gives them more, what what are you doing it based on? Reputation? Yeah, or available cap space. I mean, if the only thing I can see happening is a team that wants to be good this year, that has a lot of cap space, like the Indianapolis Colts or somebody, or or the Browns or somebody 
could say, you know what? We really don't think you're worth this much, but to make sure that we sign you this year, we'll pay up a little bit extra because we do have extra cap space. And so we're okay spending it because we think you'll impact our team positively. I don't think any actual general managers operate like that. I mean, maybe a few, but not likely. So I agree. It's who the hell's paying this guy double digit millions of dollars for one year. Maybe he signs a two or three year deal so that he can get the guaranteed money he's looking for while a team retains the cap flexibility they need. Right. I could see that happening, but I do not see 10 million a year for Clowney. Who knows though? Right. Who knows? And it seems early for him, right? What's he doing popping up in March, right? You figure you're going to hear about him in August, but maybe, you know, maybe his agents finally got in his ear and said, Hey, you're not going to get away with that shit this year. You know, you're going to, you're going to have to go to training camp. Yeah. And to me, a stipulation of re-signing Clowney is that he, I, I'm not the first person to say this. Other Broadway people like Mike have said this too, but a stipulation is you got to come to training camp. You got to be part of the team. You got to be in football shape before the first game of the season. So whether or not that's something that can be stipulated or if the Titans would stipulate that or if Clowney would agree to anything like that, who knows? But for me personally to feel good about it, and I, you know me, I'm a huge Clowney fan supporter. I think he is great. What he brings to the field is absolutely great is it worth the contract and the headache i don't know anymore after a year of the clowny experience i don't know anymore certainly yeah you you finished that experience uh it didn't go as well as you thought it was going to right so <laughs> that, that that's going to lead to hesitation uh this time around and again i'm curious to see first of all how long this drags out uh where yeah. he lands and, and what kind of money he gets yeah, and I will say of all the range of possible outcomes that the Clowney experience could have had in Tennessee, injured and finishes the year with zero sacks was like in the range the of worst, worst possible outcomes. Yeah, the and worst it, that's what happened. It, so. How can it get worse? It can't. <laughs> I mean, the only way it gets worse is if he gets injured sooner in the year, right? Right, but uh, there still would have been zero sacks, right? Yeah, yeah, just a few less pressures, I guess. Um, yeah, so let's talk about another free agent who's out there that – there's not been any reported or rumored interest in, but he is tied to Bud Dupree. Of course, talking about Steven Nelson, cornerback who was released by the Pittsburgh Steelers, obviously played with Bud Dupree for the past few years, but he was one of the many names on that Steelers defense that Bud Dupree thanked in his Thank You Pittsburgh tweet. So I assume they're at least somewhat close. He filmed him. I, I retweeted a video that Bud Dupree took of Steven Nelson in the locker room, so I assume they're pretty good friends. This guy would solve all the cornerback issues in Tennessee and allow them to really go best player available in the draft. So him, a trade for Stephon Gilmore, a trade for J.C. Jackson. Get another cornerback on this team, and I will feel like the Titans offseason has been fine. Yeah, I'm really, really intrigued by Steven Nelson. I mean, I think the fit is terrific. You know, you, you think Tennessee would would maybe have to restructure a contract in order to make it work. Um, and, and if you've not, you know, if you're not following F Words Pod on, on Twitter, by the way, he's been doing some great work over the last couple of days uh, with the salary cap numbers. But don't really know what to expect from Steven Nelson. But I, I imagine he's going to get a pretty decent deal. I mean, especially after seeing what Adoree Jackson got. Surely his his agent is smiling from ear to ear. Uh, I'd be shocked if he took some super cheap deal. But with that said, this is a great fit here. First of all, and and, and this may seem random, but I don't think it is. Titans to sign two free agents from the Steelers already. 
right? They obviously like what those guys are building over there. They like the attitude. They like the culture. Uh, Bud Dupree was the, their number one target. Um, I think was reported by Sports Illustrated in their latest uh, mailbag. But they went out and they got their guy. Now they bring in, uh, you know, a buddy of his in Ole, who's a, who's a special teams ace. Steven Nelson, look, what does he thrive in? He's an outside corner that thrives at playing man coverage. He's physical as hell. He lives on an island. He plays man coverage. This is what they want to be, right? That's why they went out and got Jack Rabbit. That's why, you know, they're going to rely on Christian Fulton, it seems, to play on the outside more uh, than he did a, a year ago. So Steven Nelson fits the bill, right? The fit here is would be really, really good in Tennessee. Again, he fits the scheme. He's aggressive. He's a winner. Um, you'd have to imagine they're interested. We haven't heard anything yet, but then again, we haven't heard anything on the Steven Nelson front yet. We don't know who's interested in him. All we know is he was released. Um, But again, you'd have to think that Tennessee at least pokes around there, right? Yeah, I certainly hope that they will. And, um, you know, they mentioned all that, you mentioned all that interest in the Steelers. They also interviewed Terrell Austin, the Steelers secondary coach for their defensive coordinator job. Good point. Maybe they, maybe they poked around a little. Hey, if you did get this job, a few of your guys are going to be free agents. Who would your top targets be? Oh, I love Bud Dupree. I mean, you know, who knows? That could have happened in that in that meeting. Um, it's not but, as far-fetched as some people think. Yeah, and, and you think that maybe uh, if anyone else was named or if they're looking at cut candidates or I don't know. I mean, maybe they got a nice, good, encouraging word on Steven Nelson too. Or if you need to call up somebody, Bud's now a Titan. Ramon Foster's in the Nashville radio market. They got Ole, the special teams guy we've been talking about. So they definitely have reference points if they if they want to find out more about this guy. So hopefully they go after him. But if they don't, that is what it is. They're probably looking at signing or probably looking at drafting a corner or making another move somewhere. There's still a lot of veteran guys out there on the market. But some veteran guys who were scooped up, I want to get your opinion on here. Adoree Jackson goes to the New York Giants for a huge deal. Three years, $39 million with incentives for it to be more. I think that's right. $13 million a year. I don't know who they were bidding against. A lot of people have said that on Twitter. Who were the Giants bidding against for Adoree Jackson? Two other big signings. Malcolm Butler is going to be an Arizona Cardinal with J.J. Watt. And Adam Humphreys is going to be in Washington with guys that I wanted the Titans to sign, like Curtis Samuel and William Jackson. So... Biggest move out of the most most surprising of these three signings. Where, where where do you stand on these? All all interesting moves. You know the Adoree Jackson contract is certainly large, and I know a lot of people are are, are kind of making fun of it. But how quickly people forget that I think this is a really good football player. You know who who yeah absolutely he had a lost year. You know it didn't work out for him in twenty for whatever reason. There's been rumors of of attitude issues or not rehabbing, yada, yada. The Giants obviously felt great about him. He's a good player. He's always been a good player in Tennessee before the injury last year. It's not something that I you really worry, I think, is going to you know harm him long-term um, from an injury perspective. Who are they bidding against? Well, I don't know. It sounds like the Eagles really wanted to get him in there for a visit, right? Who knows? Maybe the Eagles, if they get him in there, maybe they make a similar offer. And on top of it, don't forget, at that, t- at that point, you're bidding against your own division. Right. So the Giants, they, they may have had some reason to not let him leave and, and, and go to Philadelphia. So I think that's an interesting perspective on it that or an angle that maybe some people haven't um, paid enough attention to. Really curious to see how that works out, because I, I, I'm going to be honest, if Dory Jackson has a fantastic year in 2021, uh, then I, I think you have every right 
to to really um, question the Titans' decision to let him not question, but uh, you know address it and 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 just say that it was a, it was a bad move to let him walk, and that that's if Adori has a good year in 2021. So I'll be watching him closely. I'm very curious to see how he bounces back from the from the downright weird 2020 that he had on Malcolm Butler. I'm a little surprised that he didn't attract more interest on the free agent market, right? I don't know if you got the same feel that I did, but it was announced on Twitter. It almost felt like a news dump. It felt like nobody cared. I think it's one year up to six million. I think Ian Rappaport had said, but it it just seems like a a pretty small contract. And it's interesting. And may, maybe I overvalued him. You know, I'm, I'm just trying to have an honest moment here because I, I, you know, I didn't love the idea to cut him. I know they saved a ton of money. And from that perspective, I understand it. I get it, but I'm a little surprised that he didn't have more interest from around the league than he did. You know, he had to wait till wave two. Uh, he gets a, a one year deal. It's not for a whole lot of money. The landing Arizona, you know, it's either going to, you know, I I can't wait to watch Arizona this year. And I never thought I'd say that, but I feel like it's either going to be fast. It's going to, well, it's going to be fascinating either way, but it's either going to be awesome. Or I feel like it's going to crash and burn horribly, you know, with J with an aging JJ Watt and aging Malcolm Butler, they signed AJ green, right. Another aging player. So they've kind of been all over the place. This free agency. I'm really curious to see how it, it all comes together. And I don't know how well Malcolm Butler fits that defense. So uh, really interesting to see what happens there with Adam Humphreys. Good for him. He's, you know, I, you know, you'd like to think that he's over the concussion issue. It was really nasty uh, concussion. He suffered last year against Cincinnati. That was just ugly and unfortunate, not a dirty play. I I don't think on purpose, but it was really ugly the way it unfolded. So happy for him. I think it's a sneaky, good landing spot. Again, I really like what Washington has done. And you touched on it there, but Curtis Samuel, Adam Humphreys uh, and Terry McLaurin. I mean, talk about a, a really interesting trio of receivers now. Right, something they didn't have last year. They didn't have anybody opposite their wide receiver one last year. You bring in Curtis Samuel, you bring in Adam Humphreys, you bring in Ryan Fitzpatrick, a guy who loves to sling the ball. You know he's going to target all three guys and take advantage of his weapons. You have a bona fide stud in Antonio Gibson. I'm Another team that I'm not used to saying this about, just like I just said about Arizona, I'm really interested and curious to watch Washington play football in 2021. We know they have a good defense. William Jackson was a great signing. They were good on that side of the ball last year. They got a great head coach in Ron Rivera. They'll be great on that side of the ball this year again. But I'm really curious to see how this offense comes together because that was really, you know, their Achilles heel last season. And it's why, you know, yeah, they won a crappy division, but they, they didn't really threaten, you know, in the playoffs whatsoever. But that NFC East is still up for grabs. And, and I'm really, really curious uh, to watch that team play ball in 2021. Yep. Well covered. You said it all. So let's move on now to our last segment here. Today we're going to discuss winners and losers of the Titans, players on the Titans roster who won or lost, whatever you determine that to mean during this free agency period that the Titans have gone through now. So let's start right away, just right off the bat. Give me a winner. Who's a winner for you? You'd have to think the biggest winner was probably Imani Hooker. And I, and I think there are, you know what, can I, can, I, can I give you a second name? Give me as many winners as you got. Well, I think the top two winners are Imani Hooker and Anthony Ferkser. You know, with Hooker, you know, they released Kenny Vaccaro. They haven't gone out and signed a safety in free agency. I can't imagine they're going to make 
any drastic move there at this point. Yeah, they could bring in a, a veteran to be a number four safety, or they could draft one late. I can't see them using a pick there early. I could be wrong, but it would surprise me. Um, so Amani Hooker has to be a big winner. He's obviously, you know, I think they see him as a starter for next season. And he was he was good in 2020, right? He was one of very few bright spots on a terrible defense. So uh, Amani Hooker, um, definitely a good one there. With Anthony Ferkser, again, I think another obvious one for now. They let John U. Smith walk. He got a huge contract somewhere uh, somewhere else. New England, uh, they re-signed Ferkser. Um, so certainly, I think, you know, again, they, they could target tight end in the draft. It wouldn't surprise me if they grab one in, you know, anywhere between round two to four. Um, and, and if they do that, we may have to revisit this and we'll see, you know, what kind of share Anthony Ferkser, how many snaps he plays. But right now, you'd have to think Amani Hooker and Anthony Ferkser are the biggest winners. I think there are some other winners that we could cover and we'll probably get to them in a second. But certainly those two guys, I think, are the biggest winners. Yeah, I agree. When you talk about a winner, meaning a jump in playing time, then those two guys for sure are probably going to see the biggest increases in snaps from anyone who was on the roster last year. I'll throw a player at you who might actually see a decrease in snaps that I still think is a winner. Harold Landry. Harold Landry is not the only guy who can rush the passer on this team now. Bud Dupree obviously is the big signing, but Danico Autry also in the middle and on the edge. I mean, he can play... He's very versatile on the defensive line, so he can rush from the three-tech, the five-tech, or out to the seven- or nine-tech where where Harold Landry would be also. So either you have a package that has Harold Landry on the outside of Autry, like Autry in the five-tech and, and Landry at the wide nine with Bud Dupree crashing from the other side and Simmons in the middle, or you have them on opposite sides and use Bud Dupree the way you used Clowney last year where you kind of have him ro- roam over the – offensive line and then rush up the middle or pick his spot and go. I think that Landry, the pressure is off of him with these other guys being added to the roster. And something that Mike said on the most recent F-Words pod, or maybe it was two episodes ago, and something that I said in our group chat is, reminds me, Bud Dupree reminds me a lot of Brian Arakpo being signed to this team. The comparisons there are pretty obvious. But what that did for Derek Morgan can't be overstated. Morgan jumped from a six-sack player to a near-double-digit sack player for the for the rest of the time that that Arakpo was in Tennessee and they were here together. So I think that you're you're looking at Harold Landry having potentially his best chance so far at a double-digit sack season, entering a contract year. Whether or not it's his last year on the Titans, we'll see. But I think that. You could see him get a lot more cleanup sacks or at least the opportunity for those types of sacks and the opportunity for one-on-one matchups against worse offensive linemen as Bud Dupree takes on the, you know, the top whatever matchup. I think you could see a lot of a lot of wins here. That's why I'm calling Harold Landry a winner. Yeah, that's an interesting one. I think you bring up a lot of great points there. You know, certainly a, a bit of a different angle, right? We're not talking about a guy who wins because he's going to get an increase in playing time or anything like that. But you're right. He's going to be playing amongst more talented players. He might be allowed to catch his breath a little more once in a while. I think that would benefit him. And we've always kind of discussed that. I think that's a really underrated factor um, when discussing his production or, or lack thereof sack production last season. Uh, I think all those things are going to help getting more of a breather, playing with more talent, guys like Dupree and Autry. And again, he's he's entering a contract year. You said it. And if you read my article with Dr. Russ, Chuck Smith, talking about Bud Dupree, and you know, that was a few weeks ago on broadwaysportsmedia.com. What what did Dr. Rush say? He said that it's going to be a huge help for him. Dr. Rush said, right. You'd have to think that, um, that, uh, you know, Dupree could help him with his pass rush arsenal and can help him with all kinds of things. And uh, so again, I, I agree with you on that one. I think that's a great point. 
Do you have a loser in mind? Yeah, it's just tough because I don't want to say there's a loser because, well, to no fault of their own, right, based on other movies. But you have to think David Long maybe a little bit, right, because we all thought Jayon Brown was as good as gone. We all thought David Long was sure to start this coming year. Then they get Jayon Brown back on a, a great short-term deal for a lot less money than anyone anticipated. And uh, you'd have to think, again, him and Rashawn are penciled to start once again next season. So uh, David Long probably back to a, a reserve backup role. He should see more playing time than he did last year when those two guys were healthy. I thought it was puzzling that he, he never got on the field, basically, right? You, you have to think they learned their lesson a little bit and they'll get him on the field a little bit more. But certainly for the the you know the point of this segment you have to think he qualifies as a loser yeah he's probably my top choice for loser as well but i'll give you another one kevin byard and not because i think kevin byard is a loser <laughs> but because he loses here he loses his whole secondary he loses um guys that he had pretty good connections with i mean when you think back to the 2019 secondary or even 2018 the my man catch no balls group He's the only one left from that My Man Catch No Balls group, original group that Kerry Combs came in, Malcolm Butler, Kenny Vaccaro, Adoree Jackson, Logan Ryan, and Kevin Byard made up what we thought at the time was a pretty great secondary, one of the best ones the Titans had had, especially coming off the Parrish Cox years and the Bleedy Ray Wilsons and all those types of guys, right? So Valentino Blake or whatever his name is now, Antoine Valentino. So Kevin Byard, at the same time, you know, maybe the uh, maybe the talent around him might improve a bit, but obviously I think Jackrabbit, Janoris Jenkins, is going to be a question mark at age 32. He's on paper a pretty good improvement. Christian Fulton on paper can play man coverage really well. Amani Hooker on paper should be able to step into a larger role, but unproven. Christian Fulton, Amani Hooker, very unproven. Janoris Jenkins, father time catches up with everyone. Kevin Johnson is a trash bag on wearing a football jersey. So Kevin Byard might have in the in the flip side that Harold Landry has less pressure on him in the pass rush. I think Kevin Byard has a little more pressure on him now from that secondary to number one to be a leader and number two just to not be terrible because last year he was terrible. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I get your point. You you do bring up a good point there, but who knows? He might take a step forward. Right. I mean, it's not like he played great last year, as we said, maybe getting a veteran around him like Jack Rabbit, who's, who's known as a great teammate and a great locker room guy, maybe play, maybe playing it with these new guys. Maybe it helps him. You know, that's yet to be seen. I'll throw out a couple more quick winners at you uh, if, if you got some time. Um, Cam Batson or Nick Westbrook Akine, I think very interesting there. Very obvious. We've touched on the, you know, the lack of depth at receiver right now. Potentially could be could be a winner there. Uh, again, you mentioned Rex Rose article, who obviously mentioned uh, that they're higher on Nick Westbrook than a lot of other people uh, realize another winner would be Derek Roberson. He's still their number three edge rusher should be due for a decent amount of snaps as things stand. And with uh, Daquan Jones still in, uh, available in free agency, you know, if he comes back, of course this changes, but you'd have to think that uh, Tier Tart or Laurel Murchison, one of them or, or both of them are due for more snaps uh, in year two. Again, both of them being rookies last year. So you'd have to think they're in line to play more uh, in 2021, potentially have another winner there. Yeah, and one more winner I'll throw at you is, this is kind of a weird one, but um, depending on how you look at winners, A.J. Brown. This is a guy who was, for lack of a better word, competing with Corey Davis for targets and catches and, you know, stats last season. This year, he goes into this season right now as the absolutely no question number one wide receiver and really the only proven receiver of a starting caliber in the NFL, right? So... 
Right. I think that AJ Brown's production probably skyrockets to that Pro Bowl territory, that the type of territory that will have him in the conversation for best receiver in the league, um, at least best young receiver in the league. Like he's, I'm not saying he is, but I'm saying he's going to be mentioned among a group of guys that he deserves to be mentioned with. And I think he'll probably, if he can stay healthier this year, have the production to match, you know, and we're talking about potential 1400, 1500 yard season, just because there are so much, there is so much passing game production that the team had last year missing from the roster now. I think you bring up a good point there for sure. Uh, his production is going to take a huge step forward. And look, it doesn't matter uh, on this topic. It doesn't matter what they do in the draft, right? I, I can't imagine any rookie coming in and, and, and taking much food off AJ Brown's plate this year. Just not going to happen. Yeah, I agree. And I don't think any rookie, I mean, this is another discussion, but if you're yeah, expecting unless they get another AJ in, Brown, like they yeah. did a couple of years or they get a Justin Jefferson. I mean, Right. The rookie you're likely looking at is a guy that's a contributor with promising outlook, you know, the way we looked at Nate Davis and David Long after their rookie years. Um, the, the chances you get a, a Jack Conklin, Kevin Byard, A.J. Brown rookie season are just, they're low. You might get one guy like that, right, at one position. And that's if you're lucky, if you nail the draft. So I do have one more loser I'll throw at you. And this one is kind of another interest, depends on how you look at it, right? I think Ryan Tannehill is a loser of the free agency period so far. This guy lost his right tackle, his number one tight end, his number two receiver. I mean, this guy's, the guys, this guy, (laughs) the people, the players that Ryan Tannehill is throwing to next season look pretty different outside of A.J. Brown and the backups and Ferkser. I mean, obviously, Anthony Ferkser, he he has a good connection with, but a new right tackle, new weapons in the passing game. A lot of times, Ryan Tannehill could throw a little dump-off play to Jonu Smith and get 20 yards out of it. Those go to Ryan Tannehill's stats. Or, you know, Jonu Smith has been known to take, you know, that 60-yard touchdown he scored against Houston a a few years ago where he just caught the ball like five yards downfield and ran all the way to the end zone. Ryan Tannehill loses that. He loses Corey Davis, who I mentioned earlier in the episode, great at making those contested catches, those sideline catches, tapping his toe, tapping his feet, and a new right tackle. Now, I personally don't expect there to be a huge drop-off between Dennis Kelly and Kendall Lamb, but there's chemistry there. The the right tackle knowing which way his quarterback likes to move in the pocket and how to block for him accordingly. So I think Ryan Tannehill, you know what? You're you're this is a guy who a lot of people expected to regress in 2020 after his insane half of 2019 he didn't really um but his weapons didn't really change either from 2019 to 2020 his weapons are changing this year so it's it remains to be seen how if they'll be truly as a net group better or worse after the draft and after free agency concludes but right now you'd have to say they're definitely at least on paper worse than they were last year so likely see a step back in ryan Tannehill's stats right I'm not going to get into the whole stat thing right now, but I I don't think how I don't think anyone can argue against you on that, right? No doubt, losing John U. Smith, losing Corey Davis, potentially you know losing Dennis Kelly. I think all three of those spots, you know, I, I certainly worry those three spots are not going to be as good as they were last season. I'd be shocked if, if two or three of them, right? As you said, maybe right tackle. I mean, maybe you get the same production there, but certainly receiver two and tight end one. I can't imagine they're as good in 2021 as they were in 2020. So that's fair. Losing a guy like John U. Smith, losing a guy like Corey Davis, that that's tough for a quarterback. So for sure, I, I think he would he he rightfully makes this list. All right, I don't have anyone else. Do you? No, I think I kind of covered it there, but really interested. That group that I mentioned, Derek Roberson, T.R. Tart, Laurel Murchison, uh, you know, uh, 
six, seven, eight, nine months from now, I'm curious to revisit this and see which one of those guys uh, really is a winner. Or Daylon Mack. I mean, he was a pretty big time. He was a huge high school prospect. And he was a pretty, I felt like he was a pretty popular draft name when he Where entered he the draft. College? Texas A&M, baby. Texas A&M, that's right. Yeah, he, he was a popular, he was a popular name. So, I mean, you never know. The opportunity will be there. I don't think anything's guaranteed to TR Tart or, or Laurel Murchison, right? You, you have to think they got a leg up on him, but nothing's guaranteed. If Dalen Mack can come into training camp and play his butt off, then uh, sure, he could get an opportunity. He's only 24 years old. He's already been on one, two, three, four, five, six NFL teams after the Ravens drafted him in the fifth round of 2019. That was two years ago. He's been on six. Not a great sign. Not teams. a great sign. Definitely not a great sign, but uh, hey, maybe he'll put it together. Who knows? Just throwing out another name. You never know what's going to happen on the D-line. If I had to bet right now, March 25th, what happens on the Titans D-line, I would bet that Daquan Jones re-signs at a pretty reasonable like two or three year extension kind of deal where this year's cap hit is super minimal. That would be a big win, I think, for this defensive line. And and I don't think it's out of the question. I imagine as of now, you know, the way these things typically work, Tennessee probably has an offer out to him. Right. But right. it's one of those things where they know him well, they know the agent well. They've obviously dealt with him a number, you know, a number of times. Daquan's been a Titan for a long time. I imagine they put something on the table, said this is our number. This is where we are. You know, take it or leave it. And that's probably and, what's taken so long. I imagine he's he's going around and, and, and trying to find out if there's something better out there for him. But I would imagine Tennessee has an offer on the table that they would honor. If he comes back and says, you know what, um, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to take that. I'm willing to accept your offer. Yeah, I, I wouldn't put it past them. I wouldn't put it past the situation that Daquan still ends up a Titan. All right, you heard it here first. Daquan still ends up a Titan. Justin Mello just <laughs> said it. <laughs> um, okay. That'll do it for this episode of the Music City Audible. We kept it shorter. We said we would. We did it. I don't know what we're at, but I think we're under 50 minutes. So let's try to wrap this thing up. Um, Be sure to head over to broadwaysportsmedia.com where this podcast will be published along with a bunch of other fun articles. John Glennon has a mock draft dropping today, the same day that this podcast. Actually, if you're already listening to this podcast, that means the article is out Justin, you have another mock draft. I'm going to run it on Monday because Glennon's article is going up tomorrow. So I hope you're cool with that. Yeah, that sounds good. That's a little peek behind the curtain there for you folks still listening. Um, Yeah, so we are going to run Justin's wide receiver in every round mock draft 2.0. Your second one of those coming on Monday. Makes sense. Titans definitely need a receiver. Ole Miss had their pro day on Thursday and Elijah Moore turned a lot of heads and got a lot of people excited. So... I am excited for that article to come out. I'm sure you are too. John Glennon. I mean, can we give him a quick shout out on the work he did on the Isaiah Wilson story? Absolutely. Shout out John Glennon for the work he did on the Isaiah Wilson story. That was terrific. A lot a lot of outlets picked him up. A lot of them didn't properly credit him, which sucks. But that's yep. journalism in 2021 for you. John Glennon had that first. It was terrific job by him. Terrific reporting for something that happened two months ago. Just what 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 a great job he did on that. It was obviously sad to read. It's it's not going to win Isaiah Wilson any 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 more fans in this fan base. But what a, what a terrific job by John Glennon. So if you, if I mean, I think everyone if you're listening to this, you've probably read it. 
because we have the numbers from the article and it was it was just outstanding the the, the reach that that got and uh, how many people read it i mean it's on reddit it was it was all over the web so uh shout out to john glennon for for doing old school journalism uh for being first on that story even though he didn't get proper credit at a lot of places and that's unfortunate but that's another topic i can rant on but um you know <laughs> hats off to john glennon because that was great it means a lot more to us as actual people writing, doing journalism than it does to fans, I think, who like... Sure, yeah, fans, like, fans don't care. I mean, why would they care? A story is a story. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, why so, would they care? It, I, I read it. I don't care who had it first, but it certainly matters when to the writer when you when you put the work in, right? When you put the work... And, and that's something that takes work. It happened two months ago. John Glennon got his hands on a police report from a different state from two months ago. You know what I mean? Like, it talked that, about at all. I mean, how he right. even knew to go look for this. That went un, yeah, that went uh, unreported completely. So... That takes work, right? And that's what the fan, and I think some fans understand and appreciate it, but you're right, for the most part, it's whatever. I write it, I don't care kind of thing, right? right. But you're right. To, to, the work that goes into something like that, you know, someone like myself and you, we understand that. And that's why you get upset when someone doesn't credit you or an outlet doesn't right. credit you. So terrific and that's work why by you, John Glennon. That's why you see us tweet those kinds of things too. So anyway, I agree. Terrific work by John Glennon. You can find that and a bunch more at Broadway Sports Media. Com. And be sure, you know, you're finishing this podcast up. You want to keep the Titans talk going. There's plenty of Titans talk podcasts on the Broadway Sports Network. Just search for them. They're all on the website, broadwaysportsmedia.com, or you can look for them in Spotify or Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts, wherever you listen to your podcast. They're all listed there. There's our podcast, obviously. There's F-Words Pod. There's Second in Victory. There's Coach's Corner, who had Mike on this week. It was a great episode. You should definitely check that out. Check out the F-Words Pods bonus episodes that they've been dropping i'm not sure if they had one this week but second in victory came out last night go listen to that too all the podcasts and the happy hours zach's doing live streams not for a couple weeks but we had one last night wednesday night which you can find on our youtube page or on the twitter if you scroll quite a ways down we're doing lots of content we got lots of content for you guys so check it all out and we'll be back soon follow us on twitter justin is at justin m underscore nfl I am at Titans Film Room. Another episode coming to you next Friday. Until then, you guys stay safe out there and tighten up. A Broadway Sports Media Production.